Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas, and today our guest is Superintendent of Schools for Brainerd School District 181, Lane Larson, joining us this morning. Lane, thanks for being with us here on Community Focus. You're very welcome. It's fun to be with you again. Well, we were just talking off the air. Uh, Never have we had to start a school year quite like this, have we? Never have. Uh, As I shared with you, I think this is my 38th start, and I've never, ever experienced anything even remotely close to what we've been dealing with the last six months. Well, Lane, we, uh, I know it's been in the papers, but for our listeners that may have missed it, uh, kind of walk us through the process. Uh, there's been a lot of meetings, a lot of input, uh, and finally the school board has come to a decision. Please tell us how that all played out. Right. In June, we um, had a special meeting. The Commissioner of Education, uh, Mary Catherine Ricker, uh, called all superintendents in the state of Minnesota together and she shared that when school started this year that we needed to have three plans in place and be ready to change uh, between plans at any time throughout the year depending on what happened with COVID-19. So we needed to be prepared to have all of our students um, come to school in person every day we needed to be uh, prepared to have the distance learning model, such as that we had last spring with whatever adaptations we felt were necessary to make it work uh, more efficiently for us. And then we also had to be prepared for a hybrid, which everyone was kind of like, well, what does a hybrid look like? We know it's a combination of the two. But that was in June, and fortunately, uh, we had an administrative retreat Um, where we were able to get together and work on all three of those plans and have a rough model of each of the plans ready to go, waiting to hear from the governor and waiting to hear from the commissioner of education the last week in July. And so July 30th, it was announced. Um, It came across that it was school choice, but there really is a model um, that's based on, on a rate of how many cases there are per 10,000 people in our county. And so it, it is a guide that we can go between um, and, like they said, prepare for any of the three depending on what our numbers are. And so as we did more work on those three models, the recommendation that we brought forward to the Board of Education was let's start in a hybrid model right from the get-go because all of our elementary children, K through five, would be on site every day with all kinds of increased safety measures in place for both them and our staff. And our high school and middle school grades six through 12 would be on an uh, AABB basis. So they would each come to school two days a week, but we'd only have half of our students each day, and then we would be distance learning three days a week. Um, And so that was the model that we brought forward. Um, I believe it was August 6th. We had an informational meeting for the Board of Education first. And then finally on the 10th of August, um, after the Board was able to ask a number of questions and we were able to respond, um, they agreed to that model because we feel that it's the best way to get our children in front of teachers. It is the best way to ensure the safety and security of our kids and our staff at all times. And we also think that it's the best way that we aren't going to have to go back and forth 
uh, a lot between our models. Uh, hopefully, what, another thing that we did with our three models is we, is we made them real synchronous. So at any time, the schedule on a, any given day is exactly the same, whether we're in person, hybrid, or uh, distance model. And so uh, we've done a ton of work, and we're really pleased about it. But um, we do know that in order for us to stay in school, we just need to keep our community healthy. So once again, I always talk about a community partnership focused on education and we all have to do our due diligence to keep our children safe, our teachers and staff and cooks and everybody safe so that we can keep school functioning as we do best. Yes. Now, with that being said, I'm curious, uh, will the numbers drive everything that you talked about earlier? So there's a certain number in the community. Is that driving all the decisions at this point? Well, that number is we're using it as a guide. Okay. And so we are going to use it to determine if it goes above 50 that we would go into distance learning. Um, if it's really low, we could be in person. But one of the things that we're really seeing right now is the numbers are increasing. Mm -hmm. um, we also are watching the trend data to see what happens with that. But to have all of our kids come back in per person every day, in the same enclosed spaces, we feel that our hybrid model is so positive that we're going to do a lot better job at keeping everyone safe and healthy. Mm -hmm. And Lane, did you did you try and work through different scenarios? Because uh, let's face it, going ahead, uh, something could happen. Let's say us, you know, a fourth grade class, uh, because you have students in elementary schools in their class, if someone were to test positive, a child or or someone in that school, what happens at that point? Right. Then what we do is we're um, hiring a COVID coordinator for the school district right now, and we also have a COVID coordinator for our county. Mm. And so we um, refer those cases over to the professionals who work in, in the industry, um, in the medical community, and then they um, ask all the questions that they need to. They find out um, who the people have been around, and then they will give us guidance based on the CDC and the MDH guidelines. And so we have a whole uh, team of people that we're working together to make sure that we're making the right decisions as to when might we shut down a classroom, or when might somebody stay home, um, when do... You know, there's just all kinds of information that, that our experts in the medical field will be able to help guide us in making the decisions with uh, any cases. Right. Uh, Lane, also you talked uh, about safety, and, and I know that is of the utmost important for, right. for everyone concerned. Um, talk, if you can, is, is there going to be some uh, testing, if you will, that goes on for staff and personnel at the schools? Right. Um, everyone is going to have to be tested before they are able to come to school each day. We're still working out the, the details on that, but everyone will need to have their temperature tested and, and a series of questions to make sure that they're well. Um, the other things that we're doing is, once again, we're requiring that everyone has a mask and, or a a face covering of some sort when they're in our building. 
Uh, we have our building and grounds department as well as every staff member uh, really doing deep cleaning and um, making sure that our spaces are clean for each of our kids as they transfer um, in schools. Um, and that would be at the high, middle school and the high school level. Our K-5 kids will stay in the same classroom all day long. We also are practicing social distancing as we've been asked to, um, ensuring that everyone's using really good uh, cleanliness habits, washing your hands often with soap and water, and all the things that we've been asked to do. Um, and so we've got, um, we're, in fact, we're in a meeting right now as we speak again, making sure that We've got all the practices in place, so as our staff come back, that we can have everybody trained as needed. Mm -hmm. uh, and talk about the lunch situation at the schools, Dan. Uh, how will that work? Well, you know, each of the schools is working on that um, right now, but they're going to have to work in conjunction with our food service director. And like I said, we um, are having a meeting as we speak right now because I know that the food service director thinks that the best thing for us to do is bring the meals to the elementary children to their classrooms mm -hmm. and the middle grade 6 through 12 that it would be uh, in shifts and they would be able to come into the to the lunchroom and then social distance uh, in those spaces because again they'll only have 50% of the kids on or on site at any one time. Um, right now we're figuring out the logistics to that because there might be um, some variables that are different in some of our buildings. So um, one of the questions you asked me a little bit ago is are you looking at at every different scenario or at different scenarios that come forward. And the one thing that I want to assure you and all the listeners is the fact that um, we have just about 6,300 children K-12, and if we look at preschool, we're just under 6,700 children. We have about 1,200 staff members uh, throughout the 12 buildings in our school district, and um, we are trying to look at this big picture so that there's flexibility amongst buildings so that they can do what's right for their particular facility. And so we've been looking at this from um, a really wide lens and looking at many different scenarios that could potentially uh, be happening and getting our principals trained as, as they feel necessary so that they can implement the safety precautions in their buildings. Uh, Lane, if you will, uh, talk about a couple other aspects. Uh, many were wondering about transportation. Um, what can you tell us about uh, changes there? Well, right now, if um, um, you probably have heard a lot through social media and also through uh, the media, is that over the past week or so, we have had a re-enrollment form where we are asking each family to re-enroll their children into school to tell us um, a couple of things. One is, um, are their kids planning to come on site to uh, be part of the hybrid model? They also have the option, however, that parents can choose to have a distance learning model from home for their kids. And so um, we've been asking in that enrollment form um, how many people are choosing um, to do the distance learning and how many want their children to come on site. We've also been asking transportation, how many people are choosing to 
uh, bring their children to school each day or like in the high school level, maybe the kids will drive themselves and how many are needing transportation. We're doing the same with technology. Um, although the board has been highly committed to the one-to-one -one technology for every learner in our district, K-12, um, we also need to know are there other needs for technology that people have and particularly internet access for the amount of devices that they would have in each of their homes. We're also asking about food and nutrition. What kind of needs do families have as far as uh, do they need to pick up meals? Um, are, are they going to eat their meals on site and so on? So over the course of the last week, we have asked people to go online at isd181.org and to um, answer the enrollment form that's there because that will determine what transportation looks like, what food service looks like, um, how many classes we need because some families have chosen to distance learn. And it's, it actually closes today. The, it's not a survey, it's an enrollment form. It closes today and we're still encouraging families to go on and fill out the enrollment form. Um, of the um, 6,300 uh, kids that we're, that we're looking for K-12, we've had over 5,300 uh, children do their enrollment form for us. So we're getting a good um, guideline on what families are expecting and how many are looking at distance learning and how many kids are coming on site. And that will also determine then how many bus routes we need, um, how many kids can be on each bus route, and how we're going to make that work. So after today the enrollment form is closed, uh, we're going to be able to make some great decisions um, with a lot more uh, precise data. So it's very important for families to get that filled out today if they haven't done so already. Absolutely, and I think that's the most important thing for me right now to, to ask of everyone that if you haven't gone on it, online and filled out the enrollment form, please go to isd181.org and do that. And if you have any problems or need assistance, to call 454-6917 and we will gladly help guide people through that process. But I think families have found that it's quite easy uh, to go through this uh, online questionnaire. Very good. Yeah. Um, you mentioned some families choosing to distance learn right from the beginning. Uh, am I correct uh, that parents who make decisions of any kind, whether to enroll their students and have them uh, do the part-time or to start with distance learning, that can be changed during the course of the year? It can be changed at the end of the term. Okay. And so the school district will still be providing the distance learning, but it's going to look different than it did last spring because um, we're hoping to have teachers specifically uh, focused on the distance learning piece and they will be distance learning teachers connecting with, let's say, our elementary children. If um, we have a number of ch second graders, for instance, who have chosen to distance learn, that we will have a distance learning teacher for second grade who can make the connections to each of those kids and, and help them guide them. Uh, them each day. Um, in the grades 6 through 12, it's a little bit different because the students that we have in group A on Monday, Tuesday will have their same teacher on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for um, their distance learning. Mm -hmm. 
but if a family chooses that they're in grades 6 through 12 and they're going to distance learn every day, then they will have a different teacher again. So we've really got, we've really got this ironed out uh, to a T as to providing services to meet the needs of all of our families. And um, we're really excited that we've done the work that we have this summer to make sure that um, we've got a, a really wonderful, solid plan moving forward. But again, if people choose the distance learning model from the beginning, they have to finish out the term before they re-enroll into the building. So if it's trimester, for instance, after the trimester is over, they can re-enroll into the elementary to be on site. If it's the uh, middle school, high school semester classes, it would be after the semester break. But we're really trying to this has really been a difficult uh, transition for our teachers, and um, we're trying to really have a solid model for our teachers so that they know what the expectations are for them. So we aren't going to have a lot of movement going in and out. Um, we're, we're just going to stick to the, the terms themselves. Sure. Uh, and uh, it almost suggests that at the end of every semester or uh, trimester, as the case may be, uh, will parents uh, that want to change, they just simply uh, uh, fill out again that re-enrollment form? Right. Either that or they'll come into the school and meet with district personnel um, and re-enroll their children at that time, and we'll gladly help them through that. That'll work out great. Yeah. And then I know uh, the State High School League made some decisions on uh, extracurricular activities, specifically sports. Um, uh, some of those sports, though, some sports are taking place this fall. They are, yeah. We're going to have soccer, and we'll have tennis, we'll have swimming. Um, I'm missing one. Oh, and cross country. Yeah. And uh, football and volleyball, uh, what the Minnesota State High School League has done is they have, um, instead of having three sports seasons, we will now effectively have four sports seasons. They'll all be shortened by 20% time. And so we'll have the fall and then we'll have the winter and then there will be a March-April season. And it, during that season is when we'll have football and volleyball. And then our spring season will start in April through June or July. And so it's going to be different this year. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing I'm really pleased about is that they're trying to have all of the kids be able to have their sports during the school year if they possibly can. Yeah. So we're excited to have some of our sports starting, although they're shortened seasons. Um, we also, um, it, particularly if they're uh, inside, they've got to limit the amount of people that come and can come and be spectators. We also are going to be implementing social distancing and such when people do come and uh, be spectators for our sports. But we're going to do everything that we can to ensure the safety and the health of our community. Lane, I know it's taken a tremendous amount of work on, well, on behalf of everybody involved in the school district, from administrators right down to every teacher. So. And, yeah. and all the custodians and just everybody involved, we salute you for all the hard work ahead of time to make this work. And uh, uh, we hope everything goes well. And we will talk to you uh, again next month, someone from the district. We'll kind of talk about how things are going. In the meantime, thank you so much for visiting with us today. You're so welcome. And, again, I, I couldn't be more proud than to be part of the Brainerd Public Schools. This this team of of uh principals, teachers, everybody working together. It has truly been a community partnership. So, 
I w hope everyone will do all they can to keep everyone safe so that we can keep school going this year and pretty soon we can have all of our kids on site the way the way we're hoping and dreaming for. We'll look forward to that day. Lane, thank you so much. Yep. Thanks. Have a great day. You Bye too. everyone. Thank you. Here. Lane Larson, our guest today, Superintendent of Schools for School District 181, the Brainerd Schools. I'm Ken Thomas, and that is today's edition of Community Focus. Don't forget our Community Focus programs are available anytime on our website, 1067wjjy.com. They're also available on our free mobile app that's powered by the Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.